Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Be A land of bread and vineyards. A land of olive groves and honey that you may live and not die. But do not listen to Hezekiah, lest he persuade you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. Has any of the gods of the nations at all delivered its land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Verse 34, Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Surf, 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 Surf in USA? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim and Hena and Iva? Indeed, have they delivered Samaria from my hand? Who among all the gods of the lands have delivered their countries from my hand that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand? Boy, this little son of a gun has one big doggone mouth, doesn't he? First, the demons dealt doubt by saying that their God who had promised to gird them up had left them, and now they're saying money can buy your way out, and now the demons tried to entice them to abandon the very land that God had promised to give to them. That is their covenant land there, and now he's trying to say, leave and we'll take you somewhere else, a place that's like your land. Somewhere else. Friends, there is a reason why Israel is called the promised land. And that's because that land is where God took them to the promise there, not somewhere else. That's why all the God-hating nations around the world are against Israel because they're trying to knock them out of there to invalidate the covenant promise of God, to make God a liar, If Satan can make God into a liar, then Satan wins. That's his whole agenda, to make God a liar, to make you believe that God can't can't pull it off. You see, this intimidation here is not just to hurt the people back then that we're thinking about hundreds of years ago. It's not just to hurt them back then. If Satan were to have succeeded in breaking God's covenant promise and getting the Jews out of their land, then this would condemn us today. Because that means that God can't hold a promise. He just can't keep it up, fell apart. God's, oh gosh, I didn't see that coming. I thought I was able to hold it together and I can't. Then God's a liar. You can't trust in him. You can't believe in him. Then don't follow him. And then Satan goes, gotcha. You see how he tried to mess with your salvation here by taking out the people who you Gentiles are grafted into for your salvation? He tried to entice them to leave their land. Your God left. You don't have any military. You can't stand up. You can't even take my weakest king on, uh, my weakest captain. You might as well just give up and leave. Oh, we'll take you somewhere else. It's nice. 
just like the one you have here. Well, if it's just like the one we have here, why do we need to leave? Because there's covenant promise in that land that they're standing on. They're trying to break covenant. Friends, God is not a liar. God has the power to hold his promises together, despite what you and I do. That's why you need to get under covenant. If I, if I get on an insurance policy and I'm covered for a month, if in a week I have a wreck, you know what they're going to do? They're going to honor the policy. They're not going to go, oh, you had a wreck. It's no good now. No, I paid for that. I'm covered for the month. Jesus says, I paid for your sins for all time. You mess up, it's covered. That's not an excuse to sin like the devil, but it is covered. God holds his promises together. 2 Kings 18, 36. Look at what they do here. Christian, I want you to learn this, okay? This is very important. Take this example. But the people held their peace and answered him not a word. That's what we need to do. Answered him not a word. For the king's commandment was, do not answer him. Then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, Shebna the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him the words of the Rabshakeh. Torn clothes means distress. Okay, now I think this was wisdom on Hezekiah's part. Don't answer this guy. Don't go to war with him. Don't try to answer him. You know why, guys? You cannot reason with demons. No matter what kind of logic or Bible you give them, they will have something else to throw. Byron, did we argue with her? We talked with her before we caught on to what was going on, really. And once we recognized what she was doing, that's it. We're just, she, and then she walked away and she shouted, God is just still, blah, blah, blah. and I could have go, oh yeah, well guess what? Did I do that, Byron? I didn't shout back at her. You can't reason with them. They're condemned no matter what. They're gone. The, all, all they're going to do is try to mess with you and get you to doubt. You cannot reason with them. They're, the demonic mind is, is chaos. There's no order. You can't bargain with it. Don't try. Don't answer them. You can throw a Bible verse at them to say where you stand or something like that, but don't go to war with them. You don't try to deal with them. It's never going to work. You can't appease a bully. Now, this is the end of the chapter for today, but rest assured, I want to give you a fast forward real quick. Hezekiah will quickly realize that he messed up. You ever recognize when you messed up? And you're like, oh gosh, I did, I messed up. I did so wrong in doing that. He's going to realize he messed up when he tried to appease the king of Assyria. And he is going to, in the next chapter, so good, he is going to passionately repent. Oh, got a good chapter coming, guys. He is going to repent with a capital R. And this is why verse 1, you can still trust in it. This is why early in the chapter, it says he was such a great king. Yeah, he messed up, but he's going to repent. He's still a great king. He messed up, but he's going to repent of it. Friends, God loves repentance. The Word of God says that more angels party when one sinner comes to repent. They get down like, yeah, we got one. God loves repentance. And guys, and I'm going to tell you, when you look at Hezekiah, Don't beat yourself up too much because Hezekiah, even the best of us, mess up. 
we do not shoot our wounded here. If you mess up, and if you mess up bad, and I mean if you mess up real bad, don't be afraid to come back into this church body. Come talk to us. If you're repentant, we can make good with that. But don't quit, don't leave, don't bust out and go find another church. Well, I messed up, they're not going to like me. The best of us mess up, it's here. Repent, come back, let's march on, we'll get past it. Hezekiah, he's got to get past it. We can get past it, okay? Don't be afraid to come tell me or whoever you need to confide in in this body. This is how the church works, okay? We're here to build you up. But the best of us will fall because we're all sinners and that's why, that's why I'm so thankful that we serve a forgiving God. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Guys, if you didn't know that, how were you living up till now? <laughs> this is how you get through life. Now, in the next chapter, Hezekiah is going to take this, all this trouble and he's going to lay it down before the Lord and an angel of the Lord is going to go out and fight for Judah and kill these Assyrians. You can't stand up to one captain. You can't stand up to the angel of the Lord. You turn your enemies over to the Lord God. You do not go to war with these demons. You can't win. You never will. You're not going to. You get them out of the, get, get them out of the way. The toxicity is going to rub off. It's going to mess you up. You take it before the Lord God, and if you messed up in any, any of your part of it, you repent of it, and you say, Lord, you deal with this guy. I don't know what to do with him. And he will bring his forces in, and he will deal with it. Because if you try to deal with it, you're going to get hurt, and you're going to cause a bigger mess. That's what Hezekiah tried to do. He tried to fix it himself, and he made it worse. Don't make it worse. This is a recurring trait here about the Lord throughout the Bible, is that he will always act to save any sinner who repents. And I want you to see it. Psalm 50, verse 15. Call upon me, not your money. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Why does God cause bad things to happen? Why, why, why does that happen? You get that? Okay. If we never had bad things happen to us, if we never went through trial, we would never be put in a position to need to call upon the Lord to end up seeing God glorified. We would forget. We would start having our own little bronze snakes everywhere. But when things really get rough is when God does his best work. Whenever someone dies, whenever someone gets very sick, whenever somebody comes to me with a, a deep problem that I don't have an answer for, the only thing I really, the best thing I know to say to them in that time is this, God does his best work in the tough stuff. And it's not just about the trial, it's about where you have been, where you got off to, and he's trying to get you back because he said, call on me, I'll deliver you, and then you'll glorify me. Because somewhere we stop glorifying the Lord God like we should, and a little trouble comes in, and it makes us go, whoa, wait, 
then we get repentant and then God is glorified. Take your trials. Take your difficulties. I don't have all the answers. I don't. Well, you're the pastor, Ray. You're supposed to have it. That's what demons say. I don't have all the answers, but I know the one who does. Take it before him and he is glorified. You need to glorify the Lord through that. Now, remember when Israel fell into trouble with Moses in the desert. And so the Lord sent those snakes to bite them. It says the Lord sent the snakes. They didn't just show up. God didn't go, oh, well, I'll just allow it. He sent them to bite the people. Not because God is mean, but that's what it took to get the people to call out again. So the Lord told Moses, as we read, to put that bronze snake up on a pole so that whoever was bitten could look up at it and be saved. Jesus said in John 3.14, right before the famous 3.16, he said this, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus referred back to that bronze snake. Friends, all of us have been bitten by sin, but we can look upon Jesus who was lifted up on a cross and be saved and healed from what bit us. That's the pure gospel right there. So good. That Jesus died for our penalty of sin so that we don't have to die for it ourselves. But, yeah, there's always one of those. But, just like the bronze snake had been kept around and they turned it into a false idol worship, even giving it the name Nehushtan, they named it some religious crazy thing, it means that people totally missed the point of what the snake was about. They missed the whole point of the bronze snake, what it was foreshadowing Jesus Christ to come. That snake was about God saving his people because God told Moses to put it up there. Still today, people have done the same thing with the cross. They have forgotten what it's about. It has become mere religiousness. Crazy religious nothing. It's jewelry now. I've seen rock and rollers screaming about the devil wearing a cross. What? Something to wear around the neck. Or maybe it's a sticker on your car having no clue what the cross is about. They turned Jesus into some kind of a worthless religiousness. Yeah, I know who Jesus is. He died on the cross. He walked around taught a lot of great stuff. Noah floated on a boat. David killed Goliath. I know the Bible. Brief stuff. They don't know what's in it. And it's these religious crazy people that go around thinking they're godly. Well, I'm so godly. I got a cross. I sang in the choir. I'm saved. I was talking to a, a, a guy at a restaurant. Are you saved by Jesus? He says, well, I served on the choir. I went, what? He said that. Worthless religiousness. They think they're godly. A lot like Rabshakeh. The Rabshakeh tried to convince the people how godly he was. And such people, they will even use the name of the Lord himself to try to validate their sin, their, the fear that they're trying to push out. That girl used the name of God. She talked about God to try to get us to be afraid. They will invoke the name of God to get you scared, like the Rabshakeh did. He invoked the name of the Lord as a tool to spark fear in the people, to make them doubt their covenant calling. Friend, you need to know your covenant calling with the Lord God. If you have given yourself to the Lord, Scripture says all who call upon the name of the Lord might be saved. Will be. You need to know your covenant calling with the Lord. 
Because anyone that says otherwise, that is the language of demons dealing doubt. Second Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Sound. It means you need to have discernment of who you're listening to and what they're saying. It's like that girl, she spoke against, directly against the, the big moving changes that the Lord is fulfilling in front of us right now that he revealed to us in a worship set where God inhabits our praise. He told me to tell Mike so that I'd be accountable to it. And now that it's actually happening, God gets glorified in it. Otherwise, if I had kept it private, would it be this big of a story? And the demonic spoke against it. And she used the name of the Lord God to get us to doubt. Friends, we have to have enough discernment to know the difference between when God is talking to us from when Satan is talking to us. And most people don't have that God-given discernment at all. And that's why so many people are such a wreck today because they're listening to the wrong language. Satan is an accuser of the brethren. Turn on the news, what are they doing? They're accusing everybody. That's not language you should be listening to. Well, the Republicans did this and they're terrible. Well, the Democrats did that and they're terrible. That's accusation. Satan speaks accusation. And so these crazy religious people, they will always try to sell you on their plan of prosperity, trying to hijack the plan of prosperity that God has already offered to guarantee to you. No, we have a new plan. We'll take you to a new place where you can still thrive. And when they do that, they're saying the same thing that the Rabshika claimed. They're saying, look at how bad things are for you. Look how your circumstances are falling apart. That means you've made God so mad that he left you. But I have God on my side, invoke the name of the Lord here at this point, but I have God pay me and I will take you somewhere else where you will have everything you need. It's a big lie. Snake in the grass prosperity preachers are trying to bypass God out of people's lives by making them trust in that big dollar bill. Now, God bless people that have lots of money. There are people that God blesses with lots of money because he knows they're going to do good with it. God bless them. I'm not saying money in itself is evil. I'm saying loving it is. The Bible says in the last day, we're going to have loud, boasting blasphemers, just like the Rabshakeh was, people that hate the Lord. 2 Timothy 3.5, they are having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people, try to witness to them. And from such people, try to live with them like they do so that you can develop a relationship so that you can finally get to a point five years later where you can talk to them. Still not what it says. What does it say? And from such people, turn away. No, I need to reach them. You're trying to go to war with demons. You're going to lose. Hezekiah made a big mess. Don't do that. Turn away from them. I'm sparing you from a lot of trouble. Showing you this. Hezekiah ordered his people, don't answer this guy. Don't give these prosperity preachers or these demonic liars, don't give them the time of day. Don't listen to them. Don't answer them. They're trying to make you doubt the promises of God. You listen to what God says in his word to you. You listen to that. And I guarantee you, the people who fall for today's prosperity preachers, they don't read the Bible. They sit with one in their lap in the church. They want to get that camera shot with them looking all pretty and nice with that open Bible, but they're not reading it. 
They don't know what's in there. You need to know what God promises you. The kid in the coffee shop the other day, I didn't know him. He started walking out the door. It's been a few months ago. And I said, hey, guy, come here. Come here a minute. He come back to me and I said, I, I don't know why I did it. Don't know. Whatever. I pointed at him. I said, you need to know who God says you are, not what people are telling you. And he just broke. And his girlfriend took him outside. And my friends in the coffee shop go, wow, Ray, what was that? I'm like, I don't know. Well, I do, but I don't know. He came back in with her. He goes, can you come outside for a minute? I said, sure. So I went out. He got in the car and shut the door. I'm like, what's going on? (laughs) He got in the car with her and shut the door and he started crying. He goes, who told you to tell me that? Because people don't know who they are in the Lord God. They're listening to everybody else. You need to know what God promises you. That demonic girl spitting out those blasphemous doubts at me and Byron the other day, the other night, she didn't scare us one bit. We thought it was kind of weird, but she didn't scare us. You know why she didn't scare us? Because two reasons. We already know what God promised us. Big moving changes. It's been confirmed through the leadership. You, re- you realize that I was involved in this with my deacons, my two deacons, the leadership of this church. The enemy came against the direct leadership of this church to try to get us to doubt. We already know what God promised us, and because of Numbers twenty three nineteen, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and he, will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? When God says he's going to do something, he does it, and it doesn't matter if the whole world tells you no. If God said yes, it's yes. Amen? You going to bank on that? You trust it. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord and he was prosperous. You trust in this and you'll be prosperous too. Jesus paid one big heavy price. And what was meant to cause people to lose hope actually gave new hope. People thought it was done when Jesus died, but that was the beginning of a new covenant. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that you have saved us. Thank you, almighty God. This was a long one today, but I pray, Lord, it was necessary, that it was good for people to need to hear it. Bless us, Lord God, into the place you're taking us to. I thank you for it, Lord, all the great things you've done. All we need to do is obey you and repent when we fail. Lord, for those of us in here that have failed you this past week, month, year, whatever, we're sorry. Forgive us, Lord God. Save us from the mess we made. I'm sorry that I made you have to come clean something up again, but just forgive me, Lord God, and I will trust in you because you are my God. Father, we're going to re- release everybody today. Lord, thank you for being among us. I pray, Lord, your people go out better than what they came in. Lord, give us that discernment as we study your word that we do not have to listen to this kind of talk in this book today, that the demons dealt out. We listen to your word of covenant promise and encouragement that you will build your covenant people. We thank you, Lord God, for keeping Israel on that map. They have not left. They're still there. Likewise, we can say that if we're in covenant with you, Messiah Jesus, nothing can push us out. Thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank y'all. See y'all. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life 
is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.